0: give me just a moment to adjust the mics here i am here first samuel chapter 16 let's test that again that sounds a little better first samuel 16 is where we are here we find the anointing Of David. For those of you that don't know me, I'm not Pastor John. I'm Rosario. I'm normally back there doing the mics, but not today. Pastor John is on a trip. I believe they're celebrating Christmas in Pennsylvania. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 1. The Bible says, And the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, because I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil, and go, I will s- and go, I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you, and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I name to you. And Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come in peace? And he said, In peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they had come that he saw Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Jesse said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your children here? And he said, There still remains the youngest, and behold, he is the keeper of the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him here, for we will not sit down until he comes. And he sent him and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and moreover had a beautiful face, and was good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came on David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you would speak through me, speak in spite of me. Lord, we pray that your words would be heard and not mine. Lord, bring us closer to you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First Samuel chapter 16, verse number 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Let me say that again. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The title of my message this morning is How is your heart? What does your heart look like? Uh, um, before, we, before we get into the, the message and the sermon, let, let, let's contextualize and remember where we are in this story. At this point in time, Saul is king over Israel. He was the first king of Israel. The year is about um 1020. B.C., about a thousand years after the, fl- after the flood, around a thousand years after the flood. If you remember um, pastor's lesson um, in the afternoon, afternoon lessons on Noah and the Flood. This is about a thousand years after that. And, and Saul is the first king, but Saul was chosen to be king by, by the people. See, Samuel was ruling the people, Samuel and his sons, and he had set up some judges to rule the people, but The people wanted to have a king just like the other nations. So they demanded of Samuel, the prophet, and they demanded of God to make a king. And Saul was chosen. Saul was chosen. He had a good heritage. He he had good looks. The Bible um, many times talks about his stature or his height, Um, his position. He was chosen. His family most likely was an influential family there and in his town and Saul was chosen to be king and God used Saul throughout his tenure um, as king of Israel but there were times when um, Saul chose to follow his own wisdom rather than to obey God we could think about and, and remember how Saul Um, decided to do a sacrifice. He wasn't supposed to do the sacrifice. It was Samuel's job to do the sacrifice. Samuel, the prophet's job to do the sacrifice. But Saul decided to do it because Samuel was late. It was past the appointed time, and Saul decided to do it. Or we could remember the time um, when Saul and the people were told to destroy the Amalekites and everything that was there and all of their possessions. But Saul and the people chose to... hold back the Amalekite king and chose chose to hold back the, the sheep and some of the possessions of the Amalekites. And he really had no problem with it. It was, it was during that story that um, we, we, we maybe remember Samuel telling Saul, it is better to obey than to sacrifice. It's during that story that God had rejected the kingship of Saul. See, Saul's kingship position, his, 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 his position as king showed that Samuel had prideful tendencies. He had short-sightedness. And it's for these sins that, and his, his lack of respect toward God and that which was holy that God refused Samuel. God took the kingship away. He said, I'm done with Saul. I'm done with his sons aren't going to be a king. So we're, going to, we're going to start a new line of kings. We could go past this story a little bit, and we could remember how, how, how Saul decided to eventually go to a witch for counsel. We could remember how Saul over and over um, tried to kill David, the, his predecessor, the, the next appointed king who we've read about today. God chose to remove Saul. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, we see that God had chosen a new king. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, it says, I have provided for myself a king among his sons, his sons being Jesse, the Bethlehemite. He had provided himself a new king. And Samuel's job was to now search out and anoint that king. We find Samuel here going to the city of Bethlehem, but he goes there by way of cover. Um, um, he goes there in, he, he says he's going to go there to sacrifice. And he goes and does his sacrifice and, and he, he does it in a coverted way so that Saul's spies don't find out what Samuel's doing as, so that Samuel's not angering Saul. And Saul, Samuel goes and does this and he searches for the next king. Among the children of Jesse, and Samuel set himself up to have dinner with the family of jesse i don't I don't know how that works, but um I wish I could set myself up to have some dinner with more people. That'd be nice um, Samuel set himself up to have dinner Samuel set himself to have dinner with jesse and the and the sons, and there they were he was going to present the next king and so there he is. He had just got done doing the, the sacrifice and whatnot. And the firstborn son comes. Eliab, right? Yeah, Eliab. Verse number six. Came to pass that when he saw Eliab and said, surely the Lord anointed, is before him. Eliab is presented to him. And he said, this has to be the king. Surely this is the guy. Surely this is who God wants to be king. And God reminds Samuel don't look at his appearance or at the height of his stature. And he said, this isn't the one. So Jesse, the, the dad, calls the next son. Abinadab is then presented to Samuel. Abinadab and, and, and Saul, Saul, Samuel says, oh man, this guy must be the guy. God says, no, we've rejected him. Shemaiah, Nathaniel, Radia, Ozam, seven sons pass through. And God tells Samuel, that's not the one, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel is a little confused at this. Sam is a little, n- not sure what happened because these are the, all of the known sons that he, he knew of. And he asked Jesse, are all of your children here? In the end of verse number 11, t- um, on the end of verse number 11, Samuel said to Jesse, are all your children here? And Jesse says, there still remains the youngest. There's one son remaining. Um, he, he's the youngest, and he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. We will not sit down until he comes. And he sent and brought him. Now he, David, the David was brought forth. David was ruddy, or he had a red appearance, or perhaps he was red-haired, um, Moreover, he had a beautiful face and was good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his seven older brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came on David from that day forward. Samuel anointed David to be king. David, the youngest of the sons, was anointed to be king. Against all cultural normalities where the oldest should have that position, David was anointed king. Despite David's height, despite his looks, despite his readiness, despite his, his job. Can, uh, I don't know what why suppose... David was, was keeping of the sheep, and, 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 and the, the, the seven were not keeping the sheep. But, but I, I, I imagine that the reason is because the dad said, Jesse said, he's the youngest. His job's to keep the sheep. He, he probably didn't have much thought for him. Uh, I um, haven't spent a lot of time around farm animals. I'm a city boy, but I have smelt some animals every once in a while. And animals don't smell good. David was chosen to be king despite his, his, his smell. David was chosen to be king despite that his dad thought not much of him. He was anointed king not because of what was on his outside, but because of what was on his inside. Later in the book, later in the Bible, it says that David was a man after God's own heart. David loved the Lord. God looks on our, out, on our inside, not our outside. We read in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, The Lord says to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance... But the Lord looks at the heart. First Chronicles chapter twenty-eight, verse nine says, "For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the imaginations of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will seize you all forever." Jeremiah chapter seventeen, verse ten says, "I, the Lord, search." The heart. Turn there, that will be our next passage, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10. While you're turning there, Psalms 145, verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to all them that call upon him, to all them that call upon him in truth. Psalm chapter 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart, and save such as be of a contrite spirit. This morning, our lesson, our message, our reminder is something that is very simple, something that we all know, but I just want to remind us again that God cares not about your outward appearance, but he cares for your heart. He cares about your heart. Jeremiah chapter 17, you should be there, so should I. Jeremiah chapter 17. See, God cares for your heart. God, God wants your heart. That's, that's my first point this morning. God wants your heart in salvation, if you're taking notes. He wants to save you and clean your heart. Verse chapter 17, verse number nine, it says, "The heart is deceitful above all things." And desperately wicked. Who can know it? Did you know that in your heart and in my heart, our heart is deceitful? Our heart is full of wickedness? We have, in, in the book of Romans, um, Paul describes it as a, a sin nature. We have the natural tendency to sin. You know, I have a, a little boy, his, um, his name is Leo. And yesterday, Leo has been not yesterday this past week, Leo has been 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 testing the truth lately, and we'll ask him something, and he'll just straight up lie. He'll be like, "Hey, um he had a scratch on his arm yesterday. we have cats, and we asked him, we have two cats. which cat scratched you? I didn't get scratched. It's like this kid is three. he says the cat didn't scratch me." The- he's i he's lying and it's natural for him to lie you know what i'd never have told him to lie like i didn't have to teach him to do that no one has to teach him to lie no one has to teach Leo to tell mommy and daddy no and then run away. No, we don't teach him that. He, he, My three-year-old son has a natural tendency towards sin, and I am trying to train him in righteousness, train him to obey God, train him to follow the Lord and love the Bible. And just like Leo has a natural tendency to sin, you and I, don't, don't you find that that the that, that nature of yourself? Isn't it easier to sin? I mean, it is much easier to, to think of yourself first rather than others. It is much easier than on Sunday mornings to not come to church and to just stay at home and sleep in and, and do whatever else you want to. It is much easier at times to lie than to tell the truth. It's much easier to put away bad thoughts, to not put away bad thoughts but to think upon bad thoughts and than to think upon righteous things. It, it, we have this natural tendency to, 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 to sin, But God desires amongst us a heart, a heart that is a a humble heart, a contrite heart, a true heart. He he, He loves those that have a heart that wants to follow him, but our hearts have this natural tendency towards sin. And it says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? And then Jeremiah 17, verse 10 says, "...I, the Lord, search the heart." God knows our hearts. God knows that we are all as an unclean thing. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, it says, We are all as an unclean thing, and all of our our righteousness are as filthy rags. Our good works in the sight of God without Christ's help, our good works are as filthy rags. The idea there is 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 bloody, um, a bloody rag. The idea there is a nasty rag. Is our God is holy, and then when we do good works without the power of God, our 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 righteousnesses before Him are as filthy rags, and we. If we want to have a relationship with God, and God wants to have a relationship with us, we must have this contrite heart. We must have this broken heart. We must have this heart that wants to be near to him. But our, we can't clean our hearts with a filthy rag. Have you ever tried to clean something with a filthy rag? Have you ever, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm the only guy, and you're about to say that guy is nasty. Maybe, have you ever let like, a dish rag sit over the the, the the sink a little too long and it gets that little musty smell, but you didn't notice it well at first. Then you're like, oh, the counter's dirty. And you clean off the counter, then you got that musty smell off of your counter. Like you can't clean stuff with dirty stuff. Like if you want to clean the counter, you got to pull out a clean rag, spray it down with some cleaner or whatever you use, and then clean it, right? You don't clean stuff with dirty stuff. And we can't clean our hearts with these with the filthy rags of our righteousness. God, that's not how it works. David and uh, David, the the, the the one that's anointed king here in Psalm chapter 51 verse 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Only God can make your heart clean. John chapter three verse 16 says that God sent Jesus to clean our hearts. It says for God so loved the world God loves us. We all know that. We've all read the shirts. We all know that we love Him because He first loved us. We've heard that. But God loves us, and He sent Jesus, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but everlasting life. See, Jesus came down. And the Bible says He knew no sin. He was perfect. He was righteous. We, we, we just got done celebrating um, the birth of, of Jesus and, on Christmas. And then as, as some of you may know the story of Jesus, we know that, that Jesus grew up as a young man and never sinned. And then uh, uh, from age 1 to, to 30, he, he, he did whatever He did without sin. And at 30, He started His, his public ministry around the age of 30 and in his public ministry we find Jesus healing people and and Helping people. We find we can remember the story when Jesus took two loaves and, and five loaves and two fishes and fed thousands of people. Jesus was this miraculous man, this perfect man, the perfect God man who knew no sin and came and did wondrous works and came and opened up the scriptures and taught the Pharisees and taught the Israelites and taught people about God. And then Jesus was crucified. He died a very gruesome death. He died a bloody death. They put nails in his hands and nails... In his feet and a crown of thorns on his head, and, and he just died a, a yucky death. We've probably all seen it depicted, but w- one thing that sometimes forget, we forget in that moment, Jesus cries out to God, "Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani," or he says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" And at that moment on the cross, he. Hath made him, God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus became sin, but of him, so that you and I, you and me, can be made the righteousness of God only in Jesus. Of him are you in Christ Jesus. Only in Christ Jesus you can be made unto. God, wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jesus, Jesus is the only, only one who can take your heart and cleanse it. You cannot clean your heart with filthy rags. You can't clean your heart by coming to church. You can't clean your heart by, by doing good things and, and, and stop doing bad things. Only Jesus, eh, by His power on the cross and His death and his, then His burial and His resurrection, only Jesus can take your heart and clean your heart so that you can have a clean slate, a, flesh, a fresh slate, fresh Slate before God so that you can have a relationship with God the Father. God wants a relationship with you and He wants to make you righteousness. I look at myself and you know what? I'm not. I am not righteous. I have wicked thoughts sometimes. I do wicked things sometimes. I think, I, I, um, I parent wickedly sometimes. I am a wicked man, but God sees me and He says, clean. I'm clean. Not because I do good stuff, but because Jesus died on a cross and became sin for me and took the punishment for my sins so that one day I'll never, when, I, when I die, I'll never go to hell. And I am righteous before God through Christ. And God wants to take your heart. He wants to clean your heart. He wants to, he wants to make you righteous. And the only way He can do that is through Christ. Let me ask you this morning, have you been cleaned by God through Jesus? If not, one day you'll die and God will look down and say unclean and you'll be separated. Sin, when it's conceived, bringeth forth death. And that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. says, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment. If you die today, tomorrow, someday, when you die, with an unclean heart, a heart that's never been wiped clean before Jesus, uh, by Jesus, before God. If you die that day, you will die and go to hell. God wants your heart. God wants your heart in salvation. God wants to save you. We see first that God wants your heart in in salvation. Everything from this point on in the message, I'm going to talk about how God wants your heart in service. God wants to God wants to to have your heart as you serve Him. He does not want to want uh, uh, someone who serves Him solely out of duty, but He wants someone who serves Him out of the desire to serve Him. But I don't want us to forget that that first come, we must have a clean heart before God through Christ. The service to God means nothing if you've never been saved, if you've never been cleaned by Jesus. You must get that right. You must get that right today. But assuming that you have that right, we will shift now to talk about how God wants your heart in service. John chapter 4, verse... um, 24, it says, God is a spirit. We understand that, right? God is a spirit. We we don't see God. He's not a physical being. And then it goes on, it says, and they that worship him, or people that worship God, must worship him, must worship God in spirit and in truth. You see, God receives our worship in spirit and in truth. God's worship is received in the spiritual realm, not in the physical realm. Now, access to the spiritual realm often is through the physical actions. But God's worship is received in our spiritual heart. God does not, therefore, in contrast, receive our worship when, it, when it's done without spirit. So we must worship him in spirit. Your heart is the thermometer that God measures your love, not your actions. See, your heart, and, and this is where I struggled a little bit in development. But your heart is is what connects you with God. It's not your actions. Yeah, I, I wrote some questions down to, to get us thinking in this, to, to getting us thinking in this here. Are you focused more on what you wear than as your heart is, than what your heart is before God? Are you more focused on your physical attributes than how your heart is before God? Are you more focused on your social standings than how your heart is before God? Your, the, your heart before God is the number one most important thing. The Bible says. The Bible says that um, they. The, Pharisees, I believe, not the Sadducees, come to Jesus and say, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and thy soul and thy mind. God says that the greatest commandment, the first commandment is to love him with all your heart, soul, and mind. And let me ask you, church, this morning, do you love him? Or are you more focused on how others view you? Are you more focused on your financial well-being than how your heart is before God? Are you more focused on your your job than how your heart is before God? Do you love God? You know, first Samuel chapter 16, verse in, in that, that that book, we see David chosen to be king over Israel. But David wasn't chosen king because he was perfect. We we know no, no one's perfect. You and I aren't perfect. David was chosen because he had a heart that was drawn towards God. Let me let me re- re- encourage us when we draw ourselves to God. He draws near to us. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. God wants to take you and and who you are. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but despite your heights, and despite your looks, despite your your ruddiness, your redness, despite your 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 or, or your lack thereof, despite your job, despite your birth order, despite your your age, despite others. Lack of faith inside of you despite all cultural norm- normalities despite your position God wants to have a relationship with you God wants to use you you say well I'm only this and i I'm this and I struggle with that and I, I have this problem and and this this is uh, this, this, this 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 is this this is getting in the way no God is focused more on your inside than on your outside So then you as humans and I as a human should be more focused on what's on the inside than what's on the outside. That does not mean that what's on the outside isn't important. You and I both understand that. But we need to focus more on having a heart that is righteous, a heart that is clean, a heart that desires God. And if I'm truthful, there are times in my life when my innermost being, my me, don't stone me. There are times when I don't want to serve God, and at those times, I have a decision to make. Just like Saul had a decision to make when he sinned. Saul, when he had, a, when he, he had the decision to, to, to follow God and to ask God for forgiveness and, and to, to continue on and to allow God to continue to use him uh, still having consequences for his sin or he had the decision to, to follow unrighteousness which eventually led him to going to a witch for counsel and I believe hanging himself Saul had decision when he sinned and it was to either follow God or to follow sin, and and you and I in our service, in our in our life in our day, we have this. We, in salvation, our heart is wiped clean before God, but we still have that innermost battle. Where at times there's things that we want to do, we don't do, and those things that we wouldn't, we don't want to do, we we do them, and and we have this innermost. Battle, And we have to decide when when we we, we come to that point where we're like, I don't want to serve God today. We need to stop and remind ourselves who we are, who God is, and ask him to forgive us for our wrongdoing and continue to follow him. And God wants to take you despite everything amongst you and have a relationship with you. Are you a man or a woman after God's own heart? Do you long to know Him? Do you long to talk with Him? Do you desire to have a relationship? This is the kind of spirit that God honors. Draw nigh to God. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Despite your musical ability, God wants to use you and have a relationship with you despite your preferences or your physical capability or your level of education. God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you and God wants to use you. Despite your marital status, God wants to use you in some capacity that you are fit for despite whatever is going on on the outside God wants to use you and have a relationship with you. God does not see man as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God is simply looking for plain men and plain women that have a love and a desire towards him that he can mold and shape for his glory. two 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 thoughts from this we can I want to challenge us with. Number 1, you need to make sure you have your heart before God. And number 2, when you look at others, do not and it can be hard at times because we live in this physical world with flesh and the physical outside. But when you look at others, challenge yourself to see them not as we would see them, but as God sees them. When you look at someone who has a different physical uh, 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 difference in you or different, or, or who is pushing against culture and, or, or, or has not the financial state or, or has a different financial state than you or just is different Think about that person as someone that God wants to have a relationship with and God wants to use. God wants a relationship with you and every single person in this room and every single person on the outside of this room. God wants to have a relationship with. God wants to save them first if they've not been saved, to clean their heart. But then God wants to get to know them and mold them and change them. You should think of yourself in this way. You should think of others this way. The pianist, I believe, is coming. We will sing uh, a song or two as Mrs. J comes to the piano. But again, let me just run back to my questions. Are you more focused on your outside or on your inside before God? Are you clean before God? If you've not been cleansed by Jesus, let me challenge you in in salvation, if, if that's not happened to you, to come and and talk with me. If I'd love to show you how, how you can be cleaned before God through Jesus. Maybe you don't feel comfortable talking with me. That's fine. Talk with Pastor Jeremiah who's downstairs te- teaching the teens. Talk with Pastor John. Talk with someone in this church and if they're not comfortable talking with you we will point you to someone who is comfortable and showing you how you can be cleaned before God. But secondly are you clean? Are you having are you do you are you more focused on your inside or are you more focused on your outside with heads bowed and eyes closed? the pianist will play we'll give you a moment to talk with the Lord and then we 'll sing a song.